Welcome back to Coffee and Co-Sleeping. I'm Amanda. And I'm Adriana. And this week, we're going to be talking all about our own personal breastfeeding journeys. Our last episode uh, featuring Morgan Jackson, we had an expert on, and she shared a lot of really helpful information to help guide new moms or even moms that have been breastfeeding for a while sort of navigate that. And so Amanda and I really wanted to hop on and just talk more candidly about our own personal breastfeeding journeys. Yes. I feel like we talked, I know me personally, I talked a lot last episode about kind of ending the breastfeeding journey, but I think we wanted to kind of dive in and talk a little bit more about the beginning and I guess the middle parts of it. I thought that breastfeeding was going to be so different than I guess what it actually turned out to be. One of the biggest things I struggled with when I was pregnant, when my daughter was a newborn, was I always thought I would struggle with supply because that's all I ever heard is that most moms aren't producing enough milk and need to supplement. So that was early on a really big fear for me. So if you did have a low supply, though, I'm sorry, I was the opposite. I had an oversupply. So I know moms who are listening who are like, but the grass is always greener on the other side because it wasn't that great having an oversupply. I actually had a lot of issues and struggled with mastitis and um, having to pump. And, you know, my daughter was sleeping through the night and I was still having to wake up pumping and things like that were not, not very great. (laughs) Yeah, I can relate in that definitely did not have an oversupply. But uh, the challenges that I thought I would face versus the challenges that I actually faced were completely different. My perceived challenges were actually, and I talked to you about this, one was I was having a really hard time with wrapping my mind around breastfeeding in general. Uh, For me, my breasts have always been like a point of sexual pleasure. And so I, I was not worried that that was going to be a problem with my baby. I was more so worried mentally how I was going to make that mental switch once I had a baby. Like how is this part of my body that I view in this way? um, And it's like a source of sexual pleasure. How am I going to view it as a source of nourishment, food for my baby? I, I, I I was mentally hung up there. And I also had heard stories about people not being able to breastfeed. And I feel like when you're thinking about becoming a parent, or not even, and you hear these things, you don't really dig deeper. I never dug deeper. I didn't know what not being able to breastfeed possibly meant. I just heard like, you might not be able to, but give it your best shot. So I was like, yeah, maybe I won't be able to, but I'm going to try. Those were my perceived challenges, the things that I thought I might struggle to possibly not being able to, even though I had no idea what that meant and my own personal issue with having some kind of discomfort around it. When I had Aiden, I learned a lot more about breastfeeding when I was in the thick of it. And I wish I had learned more beforehand. And we did talk about that in our last episode, actually, the power of knowledge. Um, But that discomfort, that mental discomfort, I never actually experienced it. It wasn't even a fleeting thought in my mind from the moment he first hit my breast right after I gave birth to him. I never, ever, ever, it was just like the mental switch was made for me. I didn't have to try. I didn't have to force myself into viewing my breasts as a source. It just happened. I don't know if it's hormones. I don't know if it's the love. I don't know if it's this overwhelming. I don't know what it is, but in the sense of how I viewed the experience emotionally, that wasn't a place in which I had to really expend a lot of energy to like make the mental switch that I thought I might have to make. I'm really glad that you brought up the things that we heard before we had children about breastfeeding because that's 
kind of what I was trying to get at earlier, because so often I feel like you never hear about kind of like the success stories or the good. I feel like when I was pregnant, everyone would be like, not only do you tell new moms so often like, oh, your whole life's about to change or nothing's about to be the same. But I only ever heard a lot of like negative breastfeeding experiences from people that I didn't know. Like my inner circle, people who I were close with, they would of course share more. And I know I mentioned in our previous episode that the only real experience I got to kind of see firsthand was my sister's breastfeeding journey, which I outsider looking in, it looked so easy, which I know obviously now is not the case four years in. But a lot of people would just say like, I struggled with supply, I couldn't breastfeed. So I worried so much about those things. Because I think for me, I had my mindset on what I wanted to do. But I also didn't prepare for what I wanted to do. So I was like, yes, I want to breastfeed. This is what I want to do. I feel really strongly about it. But I didn't go to any courses. I didn't educate myself. I kind of was like, well, my sister was able to do it. That looks easy. Everyone else is telling me, you know, they didn't have enough milk and they couldn't do it. But, you know, we'll just kind of see what happens. And thankfully, I did have the experience I did because if not, I really would have been setting myself up for failure. The biggest struggle that I probably did experience which I know some people, like I said, would hope that it would be a positive, would be having the oversupply that I really struggled with and trying to navigate through that because it's not often talked about. I didn't really know many people who struggled with that. Something I wanted to talk on a little bit that I know I can't speak on because it's not something I experienced, but something that you did early on was combo feeding. So I had an emergency C-section and my son was hypoglycemic. So he was in the NICU overnight the first night that he was born. We were together for a little while and then they had to uh, monitor him and he had to have formula. My milk hadn't come in. And like I said, he was hypoglycemic. So everything was okay within 24 hours and I was trying to breastfeed. Um, I was putting him to the breast as much as uh, one possibly can those first few days in the hospital, especially if you're post-C-section. I was in the hospital for five days after surgery. Formula was introduced uh, right away. It wasn't even really discussed as like an option. It was more of like a, this needs to happen. My milk hadn't come in and my son needed it. As I was waiting for my milk to come in and I was producing colostrum, but not enough to nourish him. I was combo feeding in the beginning. I didn't have a hang up about it. I didn't have a problem with this. It wasn't something that I was uncomfortable with, but what I didn't know were the basics that my body would produce as much as it thought I needed for my son. Because right from out the gate, right from the hospital, I was already formula feeding him and trying to breastfeed him. I had no idea that the more I put him to the breast, the more my body would produce because it would be signaled by him and then continue to produce more. So when my milk did come in, I had a lot of milk, but I wasn't putting him to the breast nearly as much because I was formula feeding him. Because I was so uneducated on breastfeeding, I literally would formula feed him for one feeding, breastfeed him for the next then formula feed him for the next, then breastfeed him for that. I was switching off instead of putting him to the breast every time and supplementing with formula. And it wasn't until I started working with a lactation consultant, which is something that my doctor suggested, that I learned a lot more about breastfeeding. And I was blown away at how little I actually knew. So it wasn't until I started working with a lactation consultant that I learned a lot more about breastfeeding. And I was able to get to a point where I was exclusively breastfeeding him, which was just my own personal goal. One thing that I did struggle with when you formula feed, you are able to literally see the exact amount of food your baby's getting. And that for me 
personally was really helpful. It just gave me peace of mind. The, one of my biggest struggles with breastfeeding was that I never knew how much he was getting. Now as a toddler breastfeeding him, I know when one breast is out, he's ready for the other. But as an infant, you're kind of assessing their needs for the very first time. And it was really tough to constantly feel like I'm not sure if he's getting enough when I'm breastfeeding him. I know you said you have an, an oversupply in the beginning, but did you ever have that feeling like, I don't know how much he had. You can't measure it out. It's just, it's one of the, those tougher parts of breastfeeding where when they cry, it's like, well, what, did he not get enough milk? Do I not have enough? That was always a question for me. You definitely aren't alone in that because I experienced that. And I feel like every single mom who I've spoken to over the last couple of years since I've become a mom, that's been their like biggest hang up with breastfeeding as well. They don't know if their baby's getting enough. So they do what you did and they'll kind of supplement with formula. But your body is probably thinking like, okay, like he's only, you were only breastfeeding 50% of the time. So our bodies are incredible, but they're not that smart. They're like, well, I guess that's all he needs. In the beginning, I really never knew if she was getting enough. And I feel like I was able to tell probably closer to one, like, okay, this breast is empty. It feels different. There must be a lot in there. She got a lot. And once I started pumping and had an idea of how it felt when my breasts were full, when they were empty, I was able to kind of figure it out a bit more. But in the beginning, I mean, you feel like you got ran over by a Mack truck. I wasn't paying attention to how my boobs felt. All I knew in that moment was they feel different. They're uncomfortable. You know, I have a baby eating from it and that's never happened before. So it's like, there's so much new and different that my mind couldn't absorb like how it's supposed to feel empty and full. There's so many different sensations. You're not just tuned into this one, which is breastfeeding. There are a million other things going on. So as a mom that combo fed for the first four months of my son's life, you know, when I worked with a lactation consultant and I wanted to make the switch to exclusively breastfeed, I had to work my supply up a bit, which meant pumping in between sessions, which meant putting him to the breast more, which meant a little less and less formula. What really did help though, was those weighted feeds where they have baby stripped down before a feeding and after to actually show you exactly how much milk they got. So that completely quelled my fears. That was like a literal number. Like, okay, he's getting just as much milk from my breast as he is when I give him those one of those teeny little four ounce bottles. Of, he's getting just as much. So I don't have to keep questioning it and we can get there. It took a lot of work. It took a lot of dedication. It was something that was important to me. So I was willing to work towards that goal. But again, I, I really do feel that had I been properly educated, had I worked with someone in the lactation field earlier, you know, a lot of this could have been a lot easier for me. But as a first time mom coming into it and thinking it was pretty black and white, I'll either breastfeed or I won't you know, it was tough. The journey was tougher for me than it needed to be. I think parts of it are tough no matter what you can prepare all you want, but certain things definitely could have been easier. I feel like as a whole, the whole topic of feeding is tough because I feel like it's way more controversial than it needs to be. If you choose to exclusively breastfeed, then there is some judgment and criticism. If you choose to combo feed, there's some judgment and criticism. If you choose to formula feed or if that decision's made for you, there's judgment and criticism. So it's kind of like as moms, no matter matter what decision we make to the outside world to society somehow it's wrong you know the first year of my daughter's life I was met with like a lot of praise like oh that's really great I had my daughter around the same time that a couple people around me also had children and they were formula feeding there's a lot of like that comparison like oh you should be so proud so and so couldn't do this or didn't and it was just like whoa like that is setting up both of us up for failure to kind of live up to whatever standard you're trying to set this was a decision that she made this was a decision that I 
I made. I think everyone needs to do what's you know best for their family when it comes to feeding. And I feel like feeding is one of those topics, just like with sleeping, that there's so much controversy surrounding. I think a lot of it, like you said, there's lack of education. And I also think there's just lack of kind of like openness. Like I'm very open to the fact that my daughter's almost four years old and I still breastfeed. I don't even want to say still. We breastfeed. And I met with a lot of kickback, a lot of criticism, a lot of judgments. So I wanted to ask you, have you been met with any kickback or criticism or judgment when you were combo feeding? Was it something you were open about or did it just never really come up? It wasn't something, to be quite honest, in early, early motherhood, that first trimester uh, or fourth trimester, my God. (laughs) I mean, that's a hell of a trimester too. It's it's like the first trimester of motherhood, honestly, those first couple of months. Honestly, I was so... Uh, wrapped up in adjusting, just adjusting as a human that I wasn't on social media all that much. So I didn't realize until I kind of tapped back into Instagram and whatnot, how much judgment and criticism that you're talking about existed around feeding in general, breastfeeding, combo feeding, formula feeding. I didn't even know it was something that people experienced judgment about. And I was really blown away at it. (laughs) I couldn't believe that like how we choose to feed our babies was this like massive point of contention between moms, you know, and in society, really. And I think it all comes down to support, support for moms to be able to breastfeed if that's something that you choose to do. And that comes down to like just societal norms, honestly. And we can get into a whole thing about maternity leave. I mean, my goodness, we do not get the support that we need as women to meet some of our goals as mothers. But if you don't choose to breastfeed, I've had friends who just weren't comfortable with it, who didn't enjoy the experience and felt like they'd be better moms if they knew that that pressure was off of them and combo fed or formula fed right off the bat. There's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I mean, I can't believe we even have to talk about the fact that there are so many judgments and so much, you know, so much heat that people get for the decisions they make around feeding their child. But you're right. It exists and it's out there. And I'm grateful that those first couple of months, I didn't have to uh, see that because I was really trying to get the hang of it. And that was enough pressure for me, the pressure for myself. The thing that I do get a little bit of criticism about now, and and it's uncomfortable, it does make me uncomfortable, is breastfeeding past the age of one. It is so important to breastfeed our child up until the age of one, and you receive judgment if you choose not to. Even if you combo feed, you can receive judgment. As soon as your child turns one, you're weird if you keep breastfeeding. It's a thing. People feel weird about it. Aiden is going to be two next month and we're still going strong. You know, some days I feel like we're in the newborn days. He's breastfeeding around the clock and others not so much. And I'm taking his lead and I'm okay with that right now. But I've definitely received judgment, criticism, some overt, some not about breastfeeding past the age of one. And it's, again, I think it's societal. I think it's cultural. Can you believe you even just said that he's going to be two next month? You had to pause for a second. You're like, oh, wait, (laughs) hold on. (laughs) How did that happen? (laughs) Everything you said, I'm like, oh my God, yes. Speaking on society norms, it kind of goes back to what you were saying too about our breasts being sexualized. Like society did that. The whole reason you had that hurdle of, okay, my breasts have been sexualized for 30 something years and now they're a source of nutrition. Like, no, like they were always a source of nutrition, but because society, you know, has led us to believe that our body should be sexualized. But again, that's a whole nother conversation. Hey, everyone, just wanted to take a quick break to tell you guys about the third annual Raised Goods Summit. It is a five-day virtual conference filled with 25 expert discussions on natural parenting. 
Some of this year's experts include Dr. Gordon Neufeld, Sam Leo, Carly Grubb, and Dr. Sarah Buckley, just to name a few. This will be my third year attending and I am so excited to hear from some of my favorite experts and learn more about the many aspects of natural parenting. Topics include sleep, breastfeeding, gentle discipline, intergenerational healing, conscious parenting, and so much more. The summit kicks off on Thursday, September 22nd, and the best part? It's free to register and attend. Hours of education, resources, tips, and insight, all for free. I always walk away from the week with actionable tips to take on my parenting journey and a reconnected sense of self. To register for the Raised Good Virtual Summit today, head on over to the link in this episode's description. See you guys there. I wanted to touch a bit on what you're saying about when they're one, it's like, this is so great because I heard so much of that. Like the first 12 months of my daughter's life, I was met with so much praise, like I was saying earlier. And then it's like, she was 13 months and it's the same people that were clapping me on saying how proud they were and how great it was that I was breastfeeding at 13 months. They were telling me, when are you thinking of weaning? Like, how long are you going to do that? Or, oh, you're still doing that? And it was like, okay, 31 days ago, you know, I was through your eyes, the world's best mom for hanging on this long. And now all of a sudden I'm, I'm met with this critique. Really, nobody should be commenting on anything, but never mind because of how old she is. And now you should see, I mean, I don't typically breastfeed in public because my daughter doesn't really ask for it at this point. But, you know, if we're somewhere late and she wants to, I will. And some of the looks have gotten People are probably just like, what is going on over there? And I just smile. I don't care. (laughs) I've always uh, loved that about you. You actually have given me a lot of freedom in my journey with breastfeeding a toddler is that we've been friends since Kennedy was, I mean, before she even turned one year old and you've been breastfeeding her since then and Mm -hmm. your journey and your connection with her and the act of actually breastfeeding her, it's really looked the same. Like her little baby face when she's at the breast and like when she's seeking that comfort from you, it's no different now that she's a little older, you know, and that's something I experienced through you. And it gave me sort of that peace when I decided that I was going to breastfeed Aiden for as long as he wanted to. The feelings don't change. If anything, I wanted to talk a little bit about our favorite things about breastfeeding. And honestly, my favorite thing so far about breastfeeding has been breastfeeding like a younger toddler, because now I know when he asks for it, it's for comfort. A lot of the times it's like when he gets hurt or when he wants to wind down, or sometimes he'll come give me a hug and a kiss and like ask to breastfeed and he'll do it for like two or three minutes and he's okay. He's, he's, he's totally just like looking to connect with me. And when you know that that's what they're seeking. It's like really heartwarming. And I remember you telling me a long time ago when Aiden was like a couple of months old, like, oh, wait till he's like demanding, you know, milk on a certain piece of furniture. He does. Now he'll be like, I want to do this on the couch. Like he'll point to the couch and be like, take him out. Let's do this on the couch. And like, it's cute and it's funny. And it's just like a part of our relationship. It's been a part of our relationship since he was born, but it's evolved. And I like what it is now. It's a lot easier once you get a rhythm. It's a lot easier when for me, it's not their only source of nourishment. It's a lot easier when I know exactly what he's eating, what he's getting. And this is like a supplement almost. This is like our comfort thing now. So my favorite thing about breastfeeding has actually been this last like year since he's turned one. It's actually been my favorite part of the journey. I'm really glad that you mentioned that because I'm thinking, trying hard anyway, to think back to like those newborn hazy days with breastfeeding. And it's so unknown and it's so, what is even happening? You know, if you've never breastfed before, it's this whole phenomenon. For new moms listening, you're probably like, wow, I'm never going to get to that point of ease and comfort and knowing, you know, my baby's getting enough. Like we're into a good rhythm. 
and you do, and it happens really quickly. And once it does happen and you kind of get a hang on things and you fall into somewhat of a routine and you kind of build that confidence of feeding on demand and not caring what others think and your supply is doing well, it's kind of like you have a hard time remembering back to those newborn days of trying to like put on a cover and milk's going everywhere and having to wear those little breast pads. So I'm just trying to think back. And I would say my favorite part would definitely be we nurse to sleep. I have been the one to put my daughter to sleep other than, you know, of her four years of life every single night, but four nights. It's definitely at the end of the day, if we have a crazy hectic day where I feel like I'm not playing as much as I want to, I'm not connecting as much as I want to, or if I was gone all day working, having those 30 minutes of laying in bed and nursing, the world stands still a little bit. Sometimes we're talking or I'm scrolling my phone, watching something on my phone, but we're still having that moment of connection. And I selfishly too kind of like that it's something only I can offer. My husband can play with her. Her aunts and uncles can play with her. They can rock her. They can cuddle her. They can watch TV with her. But they can't have that kind of moment of just like pure bliss and connection. And the other part, which you kind of mentioned earlier, I, I will try not to get emotional. I'm just an emotional wreck <laughs> all the time. But, you know, having an almost four-year-old, like my daughter is like a walking, talking, like she's a whole whole ass human. Like she has her own opinions, thoughts, likes, dislikes. And I obviously miss her being a baby. It's hard to go back to when she was a baby and think of that. But the only thing that like still looks and feels exactly the same is when I look down on her face and she's drifting off to sleep. She looks exactly like she did when she was three months old. Kind of having that like just imprinted of my mind of how she looks. Like it's just it's just beautiful, really. Yeah, I, I love that you mentioned that. Aiden does the same little, you know, that little eye roll they do when like they're going into like a full <laughs> bliss pre-sleep, like eyes rolling back in the head thing. He still does that. And it reminds me of teeny tiny Aiden. And with every new phase, as amazing as it is, I miss all the old ones, like a lot. Mm-hmm. Totally understand getting emotional. It happens to me all the time. And I'm not even like a really outwardly emotional person. And I guess in a physical sense, somebody else could breastfeed her. I've actually breastfed another child before, a close friend of mine, due to an emergency situation. But I know actually doing that, it's not the same outward pouring of like, oh my God, everything in me is going to explode because I'm so connected and love this baby. It was a close friend's baby. So like I felt love obviously, but it wasn't the same emotion. It's just a different kind of- It becomes a part of your relationship. A lot of moms, and I I know that I definitely will struggle with the weaning process. Some people get to the point where they're like, I'm just so freaking ready. Get this kid off of my chest. I go so back and forth. Like I think just two weeks ago when we recorded our episode with Morgan, I was like, okay, like I'm kind of done. And then like two days later, I'm like, I can't believe I said that I was kind of <laughs> done because I'm, I'm nowhere near that. Like, oh my God, like I don't feel ready. But I also feel like if tomorrow my daughter just woke up and stopped breastfeeding, I would feel obviously I would be sad because it's like a chapter closing, but I can look back on that and be like, oh my God, it's incredible. And I think I'm saying that not just because I've breastfed for almost four years. I think if you've done it for four weeks, four months, you should be able to look back on your journey and be like, oh my God, I actually had somebody say to me, oh, I wish my wife breastfed because it's free. And like crazy Amanda came out where I was like, okay, do you realize the time, the dedication that like I went off? I was like, I have to buy new pump harps. I have to do this. And he was like, 
like, oh my God, you're scaring me <laughs> because you work so hard at it for whatever the amount of time you're giving up, you know, your body to sustain life to this child. And I think people really underestimate and kind of go into the, oh, it's free. It doesn't mean that I don't work hard at this. You know, creating milk itself is, you know, takes up so much brain power and physical every. That's why I tell my husband, like, that's why I think my brain is a scatterbrain because I'm working so hard to make milk. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I don't think that's right. Let's talk about some of the <laughs> best and worst advice we've been giving. Should we start with best or worst? We'll, we'll start on the high and do best. Okay. So the best advice I got now looking back, what's been true for me, like the entire time, regardless of stage, age, et cetera. One, it gets easier. 100%. I had a really, really hard first couple of months for all the reasons I talked about. It was, I mean, draining, but it did get easier. Now we can do it like in our sleep, literally. We can both be sleeping and do it. So it does get easier. 100%. I don't know that I believe that in the beginning, but it does. Two is really simple, hydrate. I wish I paid more attention to that when people told me to do it in the beginning, but like overhydrate. Just drink anything and everything in sight. Have a tumbler. If you're someone who doesn't drink enough, which that's me to a T no matter what, I had to like entice myself to drink more liquids, but it really does help in how you physically feel overall. And another one is if it's extremely painful at first, I mean like really painful, get help. It's not normal for it to be excruciating. It's not normal for your nipples to just be like torn to shreds for weeks. It's not. Your baby's probably struggling to get a good latch. You might not know what a good latch looks like. I dealt with that. I was literally breastfeeding and like bleeding at the same time. And I just thought like, he's really hungry. Like he's just a ravenous baby. And like he had an extremely shallow latch. I didn't even know what that meant. So outside of not only just proper education, if something doesn't feel right, seek help. Getting help is definitely the way to go. Save yourself the actual physical pain of not reaching out as soon as you feel like something's off. I still refuse to listen to the hydrate as much as possible. I wonder why I'm like chronically <laughs> hydrated. It's like, oh, I've literally had my first sip of water at 2 p.m. today. I would say my best advice, definitely both pieces of advice actually came from my sister. And the first one was don't quit on a bad day. Wake up tomorrow, make the decision then if you want to quit or not. Because there's so many days, especially in the early days when you're trying to figure it out where I was like, I don't think this is for me. I don't want to do this anymore. And she wasn't telling me not to quit. She said, if this is what you want to do, you know, make whatever decision is best for you, but don't make that decision on a bad day. 10 times out of 10, I woke up the next morning and I decided to keep going. It was a bad day. And the other piece of advice would be just when in doubt, whip it out. Like it is the cure for everything and listen to your baby. She was here visiting and we were out at Sweet Frog actually. And I was like, oh, I have to go home. Like she has to eat. And my sister's like, oh, did she wake up? I didn't even hear. And she looks in. I was like, oh, no, like, but we're coming close. To, it's been a little over two hours. Like, and she goes, but she's sleeping. You're going to wake her up and nurse her. And I'm like, yeah, I don't. I mean, it's been over two hours. And she goes, no, she will wake up. And she was a little bit older. So it wasn't like she was, you know, a couple days old. And she's like, just whenever she even like blinks twice or yawns, like stick your boob in there. Like you don't have to be waking her up. And once I did that, I was like, oh, my life got a lot easier. Just kind of listening to her and following her cues. This sounds bad too, but like at my core, I'm late. And it's a lot easier to even now just breastfeed rather than trying to work through the whole list of 30 other things that could be wrong. Because in our case, it's kind of fixes most problems for us, which is really nice. This wasn't advice that somebody gave me, but advice that I would want to give our listeners. It's okay if you decide it's not for you. You know, your whole pregnancy, if you're taking breastfeeding classes and you're like, this is what I want to do. This is what I feel strongly about. And then the baby comes and you're like, 
I actually don't want to do this or you can't do it or you decide that it just isn't working and you've, you know, done the lactation consultants or done whatever and you're like, yeah, I just don't want to do this. You know, these are the decisions you get to make. Just like sleeping, just like whether your kid's going to be homeschooled or public school, like these are decisions you get to make and feeding is no different. You are the parent, you decide what's best. Even your spouse, don't let them decide because I hear a lot of spouses who are like, oh, I want to do formula so I can feed the baby too and I can be close to them and I can build connections. I mean, my daughter barely got bottles and my husband is super connected with her. So there's other ways that partners can connect with a child other than breastfeeding. Some of the worst advice that I've gotten. And again, if something doesn't feel right, feel free to like tap into that gut feeling. In my case, I was told by my then pediatrician that night feeds after the age of four, five, six months, six months definitely were totally unnecessary and that I needed to cut them out and to sleep train my son if he was continuing to see. I'm not even going to get into just the lunacy, the lunacy there. Um, it's the only word it's that I feel comfortable using on air. Um, I won't just like completely go off here, but I instantly was just like, no, I don't even need to have a medical degree to know that that's not happening in this household between my son and I. So I um, tried sort of talking to the pediatrician about why and, you know, what is the purpose of cutting out feeds overnight? And I went ahead and further educated myself and it is not something that I did. I still breastfeed Aiden through the night when he needs it, sometimes more than others. Sometimes he doesn't at all. And there is actually no validity to this like claim that after four months, babies don't need breast milk. It's, it, it's, there's so much more, every case is specific. So I'm not definitely not going to jump on here and give like medical advice or talk about what people should or shouldn't do. But if something doesn't feel right for your particular situation, doctors are wonderful and can provide so much helpful information. And my son's now pediatrician is like a gift. She's incredible and I trust her dearly, but she's also a better fit for Aiden and I. Seek a second opinion, do some research, educate yourself because there's a lot of advice from medical experts, from doctors about breastfeeding that's either outdated, they're not required to know certain things. You, you don't need to take certain advice. At the end of the day, some of it is still just advice. If you're choosing to breastfeed your child through the night for as long as it works for you and your child and they're healthy and their weight is okay and you're feeding in a way that you're both comfortable with and there's no health concern there, that is a choice, again, like Amanda mentioned, that you get to make. Pediatricians may be experts, but they're not experts on my baby. End of story. I've always said that they're great resources, but they know the whole, the kind of the average child. But it's like, to me, my child is not the average child. You know, I know her better than the pediatrician who spends, you know, 15 minutes with her every two months. So I would say that actually my worst advice is definitely the same. We were told the same thing. I think it was probably like around eight months when we were really struggling with sleep. And it just casually got brought up how she's sleeping. I spoke a bit on it. I didn't express concern or problem. She was sleeping like a baby. And she was like, oh, are, are you still nursing throughout the night? And I said, yeah. And she goes, oh, you probably don't need to do that anymore. And I remember just looking at her with the most like dumbfounded look like, then how am I supposed to get her back to sleep? Like, what do I 
do. And then she recommended sleep training and these different options. And it, you know, I listened, I was respectful, I wasn't rude. And when she was done, I just said, I said to her, I was like, oh, please don't um, offer that advice again. We won't be, that's not something we're interested in. She goes, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And it never got brought up again. So I would say that's the worst advice, like as a whole, but I've also heard comments, oh, she needs whole milk, things like that. Like, oh, she's going to be weird. She's going to be so clingy. She's going to be stuck to you forever. Like she's going to be breastfeeding when she goes to kindergarten. And it's like, okay. I mean, maybe at this rate, maybe (laughs) she will be, but like, cool. Are you the one doing it? No. Then why do you care? You know, that's just, I mean, people as a whole like to stick their business where it doesn't belong. I mean, I think moms in general, we get really burdened down by what other people think because me personally, I want to be perceived, I guess, as a certain way. And we all, all want people to think that we're great moms and we know what we're doing and we have the whole thing figured out. And it's like, none of us do. So when somebody comments on such a big part of your parenting journey, feeding, it's kind of like, okay, it kind of makes you look inward. Like, am I not doing something? right? Is there something else I should be doing? Touching on it a bit about saying how old they'll be clingy and stuff. That was definitely one of the biggest myths I've heard about breastfeeding is that my daughter will never be independent. She'll be clingy. And then I've also heard that at a certain point, it's no longer beneficial for her. So for whatever people have conjured up in their mind at 12 months, one day, my breast milk is, eh, it might as well just be straight water. Yeah. And I mentioned earlier, I think a piece of it is just the norms um, that we face in our culture in the US. I've mentioned a few times in the past few episodes that I'm currently in my home country in Bosnia, I'm in Sarajevo, and here I've had one doctor's visit uh, just for myself. The comments that I met with in regards to breastfeeding my son, who is again about to be two years old next month, is so positive. It's overwhelmingly positive response from everyone, from grandmothers, from the doctor, from younger moms, from the lady that works at the corner store. Like these are all really positive bits of advice and, and, and just encouragement and, you know, true support from really everybody in the community here when it comes to that. It's really nice to see and to hear that keep going as long as you can. If, if, if it's still working for you, if it's working for him, like good for both of you, that's awesome. You know, it's, it's been really a nice change to feel like I can breastfeed. I'm still modest about it for completely other cultural reasons, but people know that I'm breastfeeding and are incredibly supportive. You know, like waiters will bring me like an extra glass of water if I'm breastfeeding Aiden at a restaurant. So it's just, it's nice to feel supported and it makes a huge difference as a mom to feel supported in something that is important to you that you're doing, regardless of what people think, I'm going to be doing this. If I wasn't supported here, I would still be breastfeeding him. But it makes a big difference, even just in the day-to-day within a community to feel supported. And motherhood becomes so much easier, or a little bit easier anyway, when we have at least one person that's in our corner supporting us 100%. We're often met with so much opinion, unsolicited advice when it's like, no, I don't need your opinions on these things. I just need your support. This is a decision I made. Have my back and support me in whatever way you can. And I think the biggest thing I think most moms have probably struggled with, I know I've struggled with it a lot throughout my breastfeeding journey, is being touched out. It's kind of, I guess, a slang term. So those listening who don't know what it is, I'm sure you've experienced it and just didn't know it has a name. But it's when you've been, you know, like breastfeeding for hours or you've been baby wearing, you've just had a child on top of you touching you in your proximity and you just don't want to be touched anymore. You just want to be alone in your little bubble away from people 
people. And usually that's the time that like my husband will come over and give me a hug. And I'm like, not the time, <laughs> like bad timing. It's something, like I said, most moms struggle with, but I kind of want to just talk about some like actionable tips, things that we've done for self-care while breastfeeding to really help with being touched out if there is anything that we've done that works. It's not like everything's wonderful. We've had a great day, but breastfeeding is driving me nuts. Like it's always kind of like everything feels kind of in shambles and therefore breastfeeding is driving me up a wall because I'm already at my wit's end today. I think being touched out, I don't have advice for how to navigate that in the early days only because I was so overwhelmed that I, I I couldn't even get into the being touched out piece of breastfeeding or that experience because I was so, oh, there were so many other things that I was trying to navigate. Um, even if I was touched out, I wouldn't have known it because I was focusing on like 30 other things that I was concerned with at that point. I definitely get touched out now in the last six months from like a year and a half to two, I definitely get touched out. And what I do when that happens because my supply is regulated, it's far less than it was. Aiden eats like a ravenous animal, like food around the clock. Um, so we don't breastfeed as much or for as long. Now, if I find myself getting to a point where he's asked for like the fourth time in an hour and a half, I do offer replacements. And it's not as simple when people say that as your child being like, oh, cool. Yeah, sure. I'll have some juice. It, it, it never goes that way. He gets upset. He does. He gets upset. Sometimes he cries for a minute or two and I hold him and I hug him and I explain to him, Aiden, I love you. We can breastfeed again in 45 minutes, but right now mommy doesn't feel good. I will explain to him that I'm not feeling so well or that my body hurts. I'll tell him like, mommy's body hurts. Mommy doesn't have milk right now. Mommy needs a minute. We'll definitely do them again. But right now let's just have a little bit of juice and I'll drink some juice with him. It's not as simple as, you know, I've read that advice on the internet, like, we'll swap it out with something else. I don't know about Kennedy, but Aiden doesn't take well to that. <laughs> he knows what he wants. He wants to breastfeed, but it's okay to have boundaries around it. It doesn't mean you're weaning. It doesn't mean you don't want to breastfeed anymore. It doesn't mean you're, you know, damaging your attachment with your child. It's for me better to offer a replacement when I know that if I do breastfeed him again for like the fourth time this hour, I'm going to be extremely anxious, nervous, and like I feel upset and I don't want him to feel that. He's literally yeah. attached to my body <laughs> while I'm feeling these things. It's better for him to have a moment where he accepts that it's not going to happen right now. I offer a replacement and we move on than for him to just be like feeding off my negative energy. We've gotten to a point now that replacements, most of the time she will take it unless she's very, I mean, she's a stubborn little girl. So I agree, like they know what they want, but most of the time I can usually offer like seltzer water or hot chocolate and we're good. But the thing that I do a lot of is I'll say a lot of like, oh, my boobies are really tired. I can do milk for five minutes and then we're going to be done for a little bit. And, you know, she has no concept of time. So usually after like 30 seconds, she'll put like pull my bra back up and pull my shirt down. She's like, okay, all done. So kind of setting that boundary with time or refusing, and it's like, I'm not, you know, snapping at her and saying, no, I'm offering the replacement. I'm explaining why we can't do that. And I think it's important too, as they age to explain, my daughter understands, okay, mom is tired. This is a lot. She needs a break. Or I'll say like, I need to drink a little bit of water and then we can. And she usually kind of moves on to the next thing and forgets about it. The other thing that I like to do, and I always tell moms to do as well, which I know is not 
this is not really feasible for everybody. And you can't always spend like hours to yourself every day. Like we don't get that. We can't do that. But I tried to take even 15, 20 minutes to myself to kind of center myself, have a little bit of me time. And I think not only is it important to take the time, but making the time count. This is something I really, really struggle with and I'm trying to get better. It's that I'll take 15, 20 minutes for myself. Like my husband will go and do bath time. And I find myself in like this vortex of social media on TikTok, either seeing these like the restocking videos. And I'm like, wow, I should restock my pantry. Let me look on Amazon. Let me do this. And then I spiral into like this OCD comparison. Like, should I start a TikTok kind of thing? And then my husband's like, okay, she's ready for you. And it's like, that was the worst spent 20 minutes. Like I'm now left with anxiety, with guilt, with frustration, with anger. And it's like, I didn't do anything with that time. I actually put myself in a worse position. So I think if you're able to take the time for yourself, take it, but try to make it a bit more meaningful. And I'm still trying to figure out what that looks like for me. I'm trying to get into reading. I've not read since I was in college, but I'm, I'm trying to be a little bit more intentional with my time rather than just kind of getting glued to my phone or even to the TV. I really like that advice. I think rewarding ourselves is something that's hard for moms. We're constantly thinking about everyone else. And especially as a single parent, you know, a lot of the times I have to remind myself of all the things that went right in a day. You don't have a partner there to lie down with and to kind of like talk through the tougher moments or to have someone say like, great fucking job. You know what I mean? Like I don't have that. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not saying that external validation is the way to go all the time. I'm just saying it's nice to have someone acknowledge. Sometimes we need it. Yeah. I mean, I think I need external. I think I actually need it more than most people probably should. I'll unpack that in therapy this week. (laughs) It's okay to like receiving a compliment or being acknowledged for something that you're working really hard on. It doesn't even have to be breastfeeding. It can be any aspect of your parenting light of life, of life, really. It feels good to be acknowledged or to be seen in a positive light. And I think a lot of the times we, like you just said, can get wrapped up in like, did I do enough of this? Did I not do that? Oh, I really feel bad about the way I did this earlier, or I should have, I should have, I could have, if I had, I would have, you know, it's a lot of doubt um, that can happen at the end of the day. And so for me, sometimes the time well spent is just sort of doing a quick reframe and before bed, thinking about all the things that I loved about the day, even if it was a tougher day, there's never not been a moment that I haven't loved. So like a quick reframe Mm -hmm. is helpful. And I don't think that's self-care. I I don't, I don't think thinking about like the one special moment in the day is self-care, but it's helped me. And I completely agree that giving yourself the space, the time, letting go of the guilt and really doing something that you enjoy, even if it's something small, take that moment where they're napping or they happen to be happily enjoying an episode of Bluey, take that 20 minutes and really just indulge. Leave the dishes alone till the end of the night. Just let them go. They're going to be there. Mm It's fine. There'll always be dishes. Take that 20 minutes and just like indulge yourself, whatever that looks like. And I think most importantly too, just giving, I know we say it all the time, but just giving ourselves grace. Sometimes that's the hardest thing to do, to give ourselves grace and to forgive ourselves from our our mistakes because our children are so forgiving. My daughter is the quickest one to say, I'm sorry for something she didn't do. And I'm like, what? No, like, I'm sorry. Like, just give ourselves that grace and the space to kind of hold whatever emotion we're feeling, whether that's with breastfeeding or parenting in general. And I know I kind of got into a routine. 
it wasn't a routine because I did it for like three days, but I was trying to like wake up 20 minutes before my daughter, have a cup of coffee. And a good friend of mine a couple months ago got me like a daily meditation journal. And it has like um, scriptures from the Bible that you read and then you like reflect on and it's different things. It was like for three days, I was like, I'm going to do this. And I got to like day four, I overslept. And that was like a month ago and I've never got back into it. And then like every couple of days I'll walk by and I'll see the book and I'll like not be mad at myself. I'm like, I should have stuck with that. Like I felt good when I did that and I woke up early and I did it. And it's like, okay, you can start that tomorrow. It's okay. Like it's not like the book is gone. It's still there. You can still try again tomorrow. But as soon as we fall out of the routine, we beat ourselves up a little bit on it. And I know this is kind of going off topic from breastfeeding, but I think it is so tied because we often feel so much burnout when you're breastfeeding, especially a new born. So I think just giving ourselves grace, making sure we're drinking water as I'm rolling my (laughs) eyes because I'm bad at that and taking care of ourselves because it is all encompassing and demanding taking care of a baby. And something like I've said before, I'm getting better at is asking for help too. And it may not be, you know, you can't hand your baby to your partner and say, hey, can you breastfeed them for 20 minutes? I'm touched out. But you could maybe introduce a bottle once a day to give yourself that 20 minutes of reading and not kind of going down the TikTok spiral. Yeah. And releasing expectations and adjusting as needed, you know, adjust as much as you need to and be okay with your expectations or your goals changing. If you set a goal Mm -hmm. during pregnancy and it looks completely different once you've had your child, absolutely. That happens. That's happened to me in every Mm -hmm. single respect when it comes to raising my son. I thought one thing and it was something completely else once he was here. That's such a good, good point to bring up. I remember when I was pregnant right after I had my daughter, my breastfeeding goal, short-term goal was 12 months. Long-term goal was 15 months. You know, I was really blessed and in a good situation that I was able to breastfeed and I'm still able to breastfeed feed, but what a failure to set myself up for it. I haven't even met this baby, haven't even given birth. And I'm like, 12 months, that's my minimum. And it's like, okay, like, what if I didn't do that? Like, how would I have felt then? Because there's a lot of parents who have to change because, you know, life happens or their expectations change, their goals change. I really like that you mentioned that because it's so hard not to beat ourselves up because sometimes we know that to be true. Life doesn't always look the way that we've, you know, conjured it up to look, that's for sure. So we hope this was helpful for everyone, just hearing a little bit about what it is that we experienced and are still experiencing today. We'll catch you next week. Go drink some water. 